Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host, Larry Smith. The United States plans to give Shichel Bistagotel, known as Oak Flat, to Resolution Copper, who seek to destroy Oak Flat, the foundation of our Apache religious beliefs, to develop one of the largest copper mines in North America. We have come to learn the hard way that sustainability does not end colonialism. In the name of saving the planet, the Nordic states are digging into our mountains, drilling holes into our rocks, and making it impossible for Sami to practice our traditional livelihoods. We ask, if saving the world from climate devastation comes by sacrificing the indigenous world to fulfill the needs of the colonial states, then what are we even fighting for? What future do we have left? Today on American Indian Airwaves, the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session happening from April 17th through April 28th of 2023. We'll hear from indigenous peoples throughout the world that testified during the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. You're listening to American Indian Airways. You can hear when the moon shines bright, the lone through in the black of the night. You can hear, you can hear the whisper in the valley. Mm-hmm. And you know when come a cunny blows to the bar who drum. Today on American Indian Airwaves, we go to the United Nations in New York City, where the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session, is happening from April 17th to April 28th of 2023. This year's theme is Indigenous Peoples, Human Health, Planetary and Territorial Health and Climate Change, a Rights-Based Approach. And now we hear from indigenous peoples who testified during the first few days of this year's 22nd session on the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. I'll now give the floor to the distinguished delegation of San Carlos Apache tribe. My name is Terry Rambler. As the chairman of the San Carlos Apache tribe, I am here to bring the forum's attention to a major human rights violation, the destruction of sacred sites. Indigenous peoples' spiritual well-being and relationship with the environment must be protected as a matter of health. We appreciate the permanent forum's studies on indigenous determinants of health in the 2030 agenda and free prior and informed consent. The United States plans to give Shichel Bistagotel, known as Oak Flat, to Resolution Copper, a joint venture 
of two mining giants, Rio Tinto and BHP, who seek to destroy Oak Flat, the foundation of our Apache religious beliefs, to develop one of the largest copper mines in North America. Oak Flat is a holy site, an area of irreplaceable beauty, akin to a church, no different than the Wailing Wall, Temple Mount, Australia's Yukon George, or Mecca's Kaaba. Apache people have lived, prayed, and died at Oak Flat from time immemorial. It is an area filled with power, a place where Apaches go to pray, to collect traditional foods such as acorn, conduct ceremonies such as the Holy Ground and the Sunrise Dance that celebrates a young woman's coming of age, gather medicines and ceremonial items, and seek and obtain peace and personal cleansing. In 2014, the U.S. Congress passed a rider in a large defense bill to give Oak Flat to Resolution Copper, which intends to mine 1.5 miles beneath Oak Flat, resulting in a crater of two miles wide and 1,000 feet deep, obliterating Oak Flat. Once Rio Tinto and BHP take what they want, we will be left with a massive environmental disaster. Every person by virtue of being human has the right to practice their religion by violating the rights of Apaches to practice our religion and maintain our spiritual health and well-being. The United States is failing to comply with international standards incumbent on them as signatories of treaties and declarations that protect I now give the floor to the distinguished delegation of Salma Sami Norat. Thank you, Chair. Distinguished experts, indigenous siblings, this is an intervention on behalf of Sami youth in Finland, Sweden and Norway. We come with an urgent message to the global indigenous community about land grabs happening in Sami in the name of the green transition. We have come to learn the hard way that sustainability does not end colonialism. In the name of saving the planet, the Nordic states are digging into our mountains, drilling holes into our rocks, and making it impossible for Sami to practice our traditional livelihoods. What is being shown to the world as a shift to sustainability is just Nordic colonialism hiding behind a new kind of mask. In Norway, an illegal wind park stands on the lands of Fosenjarke Sami community, producing renewable energy. It has now been 554 days since Norway's Supreme Court ruled the wind park illegal. Yet, all of Europe gets to enjoy the green energy at the expense of us Sami. And in Sweden, the government is hailing the massive mineral discovery in Giron as a savior of the green transition in Europe even though extracting those minerals would devastate the local Sami community. Ethical mining, the government calls it. Yet we know there is no such thing. In Finland, the Sami have so far been successful in fighting off mining companies and other ventures, but over the years we have seen their, their rhetoric change. Green transition is now being used to promote land development projects that are pitch black industrialism in our eyes. 
When we've voiced our criticism and concerns, the governments have responded with patronizing rhetorics. They tell us we shouldn't oppose climate-friendly ventures. We as youth know all too well the depth of the climate crisis, and for us to be called anti-climate is nothing short of insulting. They tell us everyone has to sacrifice something. To that we say, when a colonizer has already taken everything you have, there is nothing more you have left to sacrifice. The, Sa the Sami youth of Finland, Sweden, Norway, we call upon the permanent forum to urgently turn their eyes to the frightening development taking place in the name of green transitions. We demand the Nordic states to immediately halt the ongoing human rights violations against the Sami, and we plead the global indigenous community to notice this green colonialism in Sami. We ask if saving the world from climate devastation comes by sacrificing the indigenous world to fulfill the needs of the colonial states, then what are we even fighting for? What future do we have left? Kihtu. Thank you. I now give the floor in their capacity as an expert to the UN Special Rapporteur on the rights of indigenous peoples. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. As this is the first floor that I'm taking, first time that I'm taking the floor, I'd like to congratulate you on your re-election, and I'd like to congratulate the new members of the Permanent Forum. It's a pleasure to be able to address the Permanent Forum and all those here at this year's session. This will be my first session, my first intervention to the Permanent Forum on this important issue of planetary, human, and territorial health and climate change. All around the world, human rights are being negatively affected and violated as a result of climate change. As we are all aware, indigenous peoples have least contributed to the problems of climate change. Nonetheless, due to their interdependence with their vital environment and their ecosystems, they suffer its worst effects. Even though in risky situations, indigenous peoples are paradoxically those that could make the most uh, carefully uh, elaborated and tailored uh, responses to climate change and disruption of ecosystems, this uh, through uh, the recognition of their fundamental rights. Thanks to their systems of knowledge and due to their uh, connections with the land handed down from generation to generation, indigenous peoples have shown themselves to be very effective in sustainably managing uh, biodiversity reserves that favour the absorb absorption and storing of carbon, which are all good factors to mitigate climate change. Over the last decade, we have increasingly recognised the importance of Indigenous peoples and their work in mitigation and adaptation to climate change. As noted by the Intergovernmental Group of climate on Climate Change in 2014, Indigenous knowledge is an important resource for adaptation to climate change, but it has not been systematically used in adaptation, existing adaptation efforts. Almost 10 years later, uh, in real practice, in the on the ground. This has not been materialized. On the contrary, indigenous peoples are increasingly the vi victims of violations that are seen through unsustainable, destructive um, 
forms of mitigating climate change and also cons conservation carried out on their land without their consent. These are projects uh, rolled out under Red Plus and also um, geothermic uh, plants, um, biofuel plants, um, palm oil plantations, uh, mitigation measures based on forests and related areas, among other measures. Rapporteur, in your capacity as an expert, you may continue with your statement. Thank you, Chairman. The patterns of violations of human rights of indigenous peoples related to protection from climate change denounced to human rights mechanisms include uh, dis uh, forced displacement, uh, uh, dispossession of land, denial of right to free prior informed consent, destruction of uh, traditional economies uh, and livelihoods, destruction of culturally important uh, sites and also spiritual sites. The violations of civil and political rights include torture, sexual and gender-based violence, arrests, arbitrary um, detentions and forced disappearances. We now have to guarantee that the effective indigenous peoples affected by mitigation and adaptation to climate change have access to reparations. Several human rights mechanisms have asked states to develop frameworks to effectively protect against the multiple environmental and economic and social impacts uh, on indigenous peoples and their lands. They've also asked states to adopt a human rights-based approach in formulating and implementing policies and strategies on climate change. This with the effective participation of indigenous peoples as active agents of change. This human rights based approach should be underpinned by the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and uh, on uh, other international norms and jurisprudence on human rights that demand the application and protection of indigenous rights uh, to self uh, to, to free prior and involved consent and also uh, their access to their land. They should also be, in addition to being legally binding, uh, climate change mitigation measures are also the most effective way to protect the territorial health and the biodiversity on the in the world. This, we must, of course, focus on mitigating climate change at the same time. We, but this should be designed and implemented by the people that have been, uh, that have occupied and lived in these areas of biodiversity for thousands of years. If drastic change is not seen, uh, if we do not Im involve indigenous peoples as agents of change, the consequences will continue to harm such peoples. Thank you very much, Chair. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're listening to Indigenous peoples participating in testifying at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session happening from April 17th to April 28th of 2023. And now back to the UN's Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues.
And we want to remind listeners that uh, KPFK is currently in its final week of Fun Drive. And without you, the listeners, we cannot bring you marginalized indigenous voices as you've been listening to indigenous peoples throughout the world as they've been speaking this past week at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. It's the 22nd session, and this year's uh, theme or special theme uh, for the first uh, couple days of sessions is Indigenous Peoples, Human Health, Planetary and Territorial Health, and Climate Change, a rights-based approach. And this is the kind of voices that we bring to you here on American Indian Airwaves. We want to ask all of you that are listening to our show on KPFK FM 90.7, those of you listening on the internet, on the kpfk.org website, or streaming the show on a variety of streaming platforms out there globally on the internet, that you can help support KPFK by picking up uh, one of two uh, or one of three premium items we're offering today uh, on American Indian Airwaves. One is the book. Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. It's a $100 book, and it phenomenally lays out the origins, the theological legal origins or the religious legal origins that monarchies and colonial governments use to dispossess indigenous peoples of the land. And you can also pick up the DVD, it's called The Doctrine of Discovery, Unmasking the Domination Code, directed by Sheldon Wolfchild, written by Stephen Newcomb. It's a $100 thank you item. And then the book by Dr. Gerald Horn called The Counter-Revolution of 1836, Texas Slavery and Jim Crow, and the Roots of U.S. Fascism. It's an important book where Dr. Horn centers indigenous peoples throughout the region as part of telling an crucially important part of history on the roots of U.S. Fascism. You can pick up the book, either book or the DVD, by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or you can visit the kpfk.org website, click on the pledge widget, and select a premium item from there for a $100 donation. Marcus? Thank you, Larry. Wow. What a period of time you were living. The Vatican repudiates the papal bulls. Those were directed the full attention to people to dismantling the 15th century papal bulls that has denied indigenous people our humanity, our existence, enslaved us, enslaved our ancestors. And still doing that, Larry, devastated cultures and holds language on lands and futures for over 500 years and still doing this to this very day. Now, dismantling, that's a funny word. And I want to speak to our listeners, native and non-native, and people of the different tribes in Southern Cal, and people on the Internet, the wonderful struggles you're, you're going to listen to them here this hour, but they got to know what you're talking about. You have to explore. I mean, what is this capable bull? What, I thought it was like an animal bull, but no. What is this pagans in the promised land that opens up and examine the anthological work. That's a big word saying that the method and the procedures and policies in which since the um, 14th century, 15th century, they impose this upon the 
indigenous group of the world. Thank you, Marcus. And we want to take listeners back to this year's UN's uh, permanent forum on indigenous issues. It's the 22nd section session, and it is happening between April 17th and April 28th of 2003. Uh, this year's theme is indigenous peoples, human health, planetary and territorial health and climate change, a rights-based approach. And we're going to continue to hear from indigenous peoples throughout the world, articulating their grievances at the United Nations, which can be traced back to the doctrine of discovery, or as Steve Newcomb reminds us, the doctrine of dominion. And now back to the UN's permanent forum on indigenous issues. I now invite the distinguished delegation of the Global Youth Caucus, Kalahui Awai. I'd like to say ho'omaika'i, congratulations, Mr. Chair, on your reappointment. My name is Lahala Matos of Kalahui, Hawaii, and Kamakakua Kalani Center for Hawaiian Studies, and I'm speaking on behalf of the Global Indigenous Youth Caucus. The caucus represents youth of the seven different regions, yet despite our differences in culture and ancestral land, we all experience similar threats to human, planetary, and territorial health. Exploitative corporations and member states are threatening and destroying environments across the globe. The destruction of and violence committed against our Earth Mother perpetuates violence against indigenous peoples, specifically indigenous women who are protectors and bearers of life on this planet. Environmental destruction not only contributes to climate change, but also impedes on our ability to access ancestral knowledge, traditional medicine, sacred sites, and traditional practices. As indigenous youth, we are future bearers of knowledge as we hold both the knowledge of our ancestors and our descendants. Our ancestral knowledge forges a path for us to appropriately care for ourselves, each other, and the land. For indigenous peoples, wellness is defined through the interconnectedness and balance of physical, mental, cultural, and spiritual health. In order to further improve the health of humans and our Earth Mother, we therefore recommend the following. We call on the Permanent Forum and the General Assembly to assist in perpetuating ancestral knowledge by validating indigenous methodologies and enforcing a permanent intergenerational indigenous advisory group for all bodies and agencies of the UN, such as WHO. We would like to thank FAO for their continued work with us as youth and would like to su the support of other UN agencies. We recommend that the Human Rights Council and World Health Organization encourage that all member states adopt CEDAW General Recommendations 35 and 39. In support of the physical, sexual, and reproductive health of indigenous women, we ask the Human Rights Council to adopt violence against indigenous women as a thematic mandate. We urge the General Assembly, we urge the General Assembly to include the rights of indigenous peoples as social determinants of health, as indigeneity is a determinant of health. Returning lands and waters, land and water stewardship, and honoring the rights of indigenous peoples improves human and planetary health and is a solution to the climate crisis. We request the Special Rapporteur and the Expert Mechanism to advocate for the autonomy and rights of Indigenous peoples by advising member states to support both traditional and modern health practices in accordance with Article 24 of the Declaration of Rights on Indigenous Peoples. We request that the UN and its member states enforce guidelines proposed during Rio 20 and in documents such as Agenda 21, which call for sustainable consumption and development. We call on the General Assembly to remind the member states of their responsibility to provide free, prior, and informed consent as outlined in the final report of the 21st Permanent Forum. Lastly, we call on the General Assembly and Security Council to create binding resolutions in regards to climate action, as climate, is, climate change is indeed...
Doy las gracias. I thank the Global Youth Caucus for their statement and their words. I invite the distinguished delegation of the Society for Threatened Peoples, please. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My name is Timelin Togachok. On behalf of six million Southern Mongolians, I would like to bring to your attention the ongoing cultural genocide committed by the government of China. Starting in 2020, the government of China has banned the Mongolian language entirely across Southern Mongolia in the name of the National Common Language Policy. 300,000 Mongolian students went on a total school strike. The Chinese authorities responded with mass arrests. An estimated 10,000 protesters have been arrested, detained, imprisoned, and placed under house arrest. 11 lost their lives in defense of their rights to their mother tongue. What followed this heavy-handed crackdown was a full-scale cultural genocide campaign, the scope of which has extended far beyond the simple switch of language in schools. Learn Chinese and become a civilized person has been an official slogan publicly promoting Chinese supremacy. Mongolian language programs have been removed from radio, television, and newspapers. To justify the campaign, the Chinese National Congress announced that minority language education is unconstitutional, overriding its own constitution and national minority autonomy law. Schools from kindergartens to colleges removed Mongolian language instruction altogether. All extracurricular activities for learning Mongolian are banned. Mongolian traditional arts are forced to adopt Chinese styles to reflect the superiority of Chinese culture. Mongolian sacred sites are destroyed, and Mongolian customs and rituals are scorned and mocked. Sculptures, monuments, and buildings with Mongolian characteristics are taken down. Signs and banners in Mongolian are removed from schools, buildings, streets, and parks. Mongolian publications are banned and books removed from shelves. Services for printing and copying Mongolian language materials are denied. Postal services are ordered not to deliver any Mongolian books or publications. After cracking down on the Mongolian protest, a region-wide training program called the Training for the Firm Inculcation of the Chinese National Common Identity was launched. The entire Mongolian population is subjected to this training program to denounce their own language, culture, and embrace the Chinese identity. Mr. Chair, China is a signatory to the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. China must fulfill its obligation to respect the rights of six million indigenous Mongolians and must stop her ongoing cultural genocide in southern Mongolia. Thank you. I thank your distinguished delegation for your statement. I now invite the distinguished delegation of Native Alliance to take the floor. Native Youth Alliance, please. My name is Nathan Phillips. <clears throat> I'm from the Omaha tribe of Nebraska and Iowa. I'm the Deer Clan on my father's side. I'm Bear Clan on my mother's side. And I say thank you to the uh, People's Forum here, the Indigenous People's Forum, uh, for being here for these 22 years. First time I came out here, Winona LaDuke was speaking in here. She was just a young 14-year-old. I was outside with the drum singing, and I've been coming as much as I can every year since then and supporting this important issues. I want to say something about our languages and the need for them, that we got to save our languages. I was taken away when I was six years old, and... When I was six years old, all I knew was my Omaha language. 
uh, my mother's tongue was ripped out of me. She really wanted me to know our language, know our ways, but I was taken away, and it was uh, an act of genocide. And the way to stop genocide here in America is for the Pope to rescind the doctrine of discovery and to return our lands to us, and return our languages to us, and return our riches to us. But there's so much that they can't give us back. I've been without my mother's love for decades, and I'll never get that back. But I have my daughter's love, and I want her to know our language and not to lose that. I want to see Leonard Peltier to come free and to be able to be with his grandchildren. I've gone inside the prisons and sang with him and prayed with him. I've shared sweat lodge with him. He deserves to be home. There are so many of our brothers and sisters that are in the penitentiaries that should be home also. I apologize that I only think about what to say when I come here in the mornings when I pray to God to ask for forgiveness and strength and courage to carry on. And that's what I ask for just everybody here, that they have uh, the strength and courage to carry on. Thank you for your kind statement. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We are listening to Indigenous Voices speaking at the United Nations at the UN's Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session, which is happening from April 17th to April 28th of 2023. This year's theme is Indigenous Peoples, Human Health, and human health, planetary and territorial health, and climate change, a rights-based approach. We are bringing you indigenous voices throughout the world, articulating and conveying their grievance to the international world body, calling for an intervention to settler colonial nation states throughout the world or countries throughout the world that have engaged and continue to engage in a practice of systemic violence against indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples are 5% of the world's population, but represent 80% of the world's biodiversity, manage about 25% of the world's lands, and we are constantly, indigenous people are constantly on the front lines of settler colonialism, and it can all be traced back to the papal bulls. And you can read about the papal bulls in Stephen Newcomb's book, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. You can pick it up for $100 as a way to say thank you and support KPFK. You can pick up the DVD on uh, the Papal Bulls called The Doctrine of Discovery, Unmasking the Domination Code as a $100 thank you item, support the station. Or you can pick up Gerald, Dr. Gerald Horn's book, The Counter-Revolution of 1836, Texas Slavery and Jim Crow and the Roots of U.S. Fashion. That too is a $100 thank you item. You can pick it up, all three items up by calling 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735, or go to the kpfk.org website, click on the KPFK widget, select from a premium item of your choice for a dollar amount listed on the website, and help 
financially support KPFK. We are 100% listener supported and without listeners like you, whether it be on FM 90.7 or out there on some digital streaming platform where you're listening to us, we, meaning KPFK and all the volunteer programmers, cannot continue to provide the community service that we do for all of our indigenous listeners and non-native listeners and allies and and soon-to-be allies without your financial support. So please call 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735, or go visit the kpfk.org website, pick up a premium item for the dollar amount listed on the website, and help support us here on American Indian Airwaves at KPFK. Marcus? Larry, the, your phone call our listeners, whatever background you have, whatever Indian affiliation you have in your nation, dismantling the people, the doctrine of discovery, doctrine of domination, you need the tools to do that. We're providing you the tools here. I want to mention this like for land acknowledgement. It is superficial. It's a band-aid because those institutions, I don't care who they are, need to find and realize the land that they're in is native land. How does this begin? How do they own it? How, what's the deeds come from? What, what, are we, what are we in your everything, everything on this continent, everything is because native people have taken care of it, indigenous knowledge. And every time we talk about indigenous people, and for example, the, the land acknowledgement, we're saying the biggest land acknowledgement, start on dismantling the system. Start on dismantling all that harms Earth Mother. And you're part of dismantling, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, is your financial contributions. Money is a funny thing, right? I don't like to talk about money. You know, Marcus, unfortunately, I don't like to talk about money either, but money is what the station needs. It's 100% listener supported. So again, call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or visit the kpfk.org, select the KPFK pledge widget, pick up a premium item of your choice for that dollar amount that's listed on the kpfk.org website. We do want to go back to our program and hear from indigenous peoples throughout the world that have been speaking this past week at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session in which the theme session focuses on indigenous peoples' health human health, planetary and territorial health, and climate change, a rights-based approach. And now back to the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. And I give the floor to the distinguished delegation of Crimean Tatar Resource Center. Dear Chairman, dear Special Rapporteur, dear Representatives of AMRIP and Young Voluntary Fund, dear Sisters and Brothers, I am representative of the indigenous Crimean Tatar people from Ukraine, the nations that Russian authorities have been trying to demolish for centuries. First of all, I want to express my gratitude to all countries and all indigenous people who have supported and stood in solidarity with my people in recent years. Today, it is difficult for me to talk about human rights because my people have been fighting for survival for more than nine years 
You all can see in real time the genocide that Russia is committing in my country. Since the beginning of the occupation of my homeland in 2014, 194 representatives of the indigenous Crimean Tatar people have been subjected to political persecution. 118 of them are still in prison. In February this year, the political prisoner, Jamil Gafarov, died in prison because he did not receive proper medical care. The whereabouts of 15 abducted Crimean Tatars remain unknown. Only last year, the household of 25 Crimean Tatars were searched. Indigenous lawyers are arrested for several days and their licenses are revoked. 2022 2022 has become a year of new challenges of my people. My homeland, Crimea, has become a springboard for a new military escalation and a full-scale invasion of the Russian Federation into Ukraine. The first victim of new Russian aggression was a 17-year-old Crimean Tatar who lived in Kherson region in a compact settlement of Crimean Tatars. The result of the illegal mass mobilization becomes a hybrid deportation of my people from their own motherland. Hundreds of Crimean Tatars unwilling to become involved in in the war crimes and crimes against humanity, unwilling to go to die and kill in Ukraine, were forced to live in the peninsula to avoid being conscripted into the Russian army, which is prohibited not only by the Yondrip, but also by international humanitarian law. Dozens of representatives of the indigenous Crimean Tatar people were fined only for speaking out against the war. Besides, new articles were added into administrative and criminal courts of the Russian Federation. Russia purposefully involves representatives of the indigenous people of Russia in this war and tries to realize its political ambitions in the cost of their lives. None of the representatives of, of an indigenous people can be safe when a permanent member of the UN Security Council unleashes with impunity the most brutal and bloodiest war in the 21st century. I appeal to all the mechanisms present here to pay due attention to the situation with indigenous Crimean Tatar people in the conflict. I ask not to ignore our submissions and statements and to include this information in your regular reports. Uh, we propose to investigate the issue of ensuring the implementation of the UNDRIP in the context of armed conflict and develop the effective mechanism for the protection of indigenous people in the context of interstate conflict. We will continue to fight for our life and our rights, but we need your support. We need more sanctions and pressure for Russia because it's the only way to save our lives and to restore uh, and protect. I thank the distinguished delegation for that statement. I now give the floor to the delegation of Axels. My name is Alexis McClellan Ufugusku. I'm a proud, mixed, Shikenu Chinanchu woman. We do Cuans are one of two indigenous peoples in the nation state of Japan. And although the United Nations and the international community recognize us as such, the government of Japan does not. We are here to emphasize that, while the Ryukyu Islands are today governed as a prefecture, we are not treated as a people equal to the rest of Japan. The Japanese government perpetrates a number of violations against the rights articulated by the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. In this statement, we'd like to focus on two issues that stem from the U.S. military bases in our islands the ongoing construction of yet another U.S. base in Henoko, and the leak of purin polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAS, that is currently affecting the water supply of 450,000 Dukyuans. More than 15% of Okinawa Island is occupied by U.S. and Japanese military bases, of which the U.S. bases alone amount to 32 installations. Many of these bases were built prior to reversion to Japan in, in 1972, 
but we would like to draw attention to the fact that our free prior and informed consent is being undermined in regards to the new U.S. base be being built on top of Oorabe in Okinawa. The Ryukyuan people have not agreed to the construction of another U.S. base. In 2019, an official referendum was held in which over 70% of voters in Okinawa voted no against the construction of the new, SB, new base. Despite this, construction has persisted. And in doing so, the Japanese government and U.S. military are violating dozens of articles in the U.N. DRIT, including Article 30, but also Article 3, our right to self-determination, um, as well as Article 12, as it's been recently discovered that the landfill to construct the new U.S. space contains thousands of ancestor remains from the southern part of our island. Um, we ask that the permanent forum arrange a meeting between Axels and the permanent mission of Japan in order to discuss ongoing issues of militarization in the DQs, including PFAS leak, which as I mentioned earlier is affecting 450,000 of our people. Additionally, we demand that the U.S. Department of Defense release the, to the public data from the groundwater tests conducted on U.S. bases in Okinawa, and that the U.S. and Japanese governments heed Recommendation D from the Special Rapporteur on Human Rights and Toxics reports on the impact of toxics and indigenous peoples to create an expedient cleanup plan and immediately provide access of clean, to clean drinking water for, again, the 450,000 people affected. We also call on the U.S. to immediately cease distribution and use of flame repellents containing PFAS to U.S. bases around the world. Finally, the government of Japan must not continue with its plan to discharge more than a million tons of irradiated water from the Thank you very much for your... Uh, I now give the floor to the member of the Permanent Forum, Rodrigo Payalep. Okay. Mari Mari Pulamiem, Mari Mari Puwenui, Inchemae Rodrigo Payalep Piñen. Lo saludé. I greeted you and I introduced myself in the Pulmapuche language of my people, who live in the south of Chile and part of Argentina. First of all, I want to thank uh, you, Mr. Chairman, for the opportunity to speak and to participate in this important forum. I would like to also thank the panelists, the special, uh, the special rapporteur, chair of the uh, expert mechanism and the voluntary fund for the invalu their invaluable work for the benefit of indigenous peoples. The work of the fund might appear as less important, the fund of contra uh, voluntary contributions, but in fact it's very important because it makes a, it, it promotes the participation of indigenous peoples. And so I would like to ask you, ask the fund, what is the best way to optimize and improve your work to to, to to ensure a more continuous and greater participation of indigenous peoples. You mentioned that the the mandate is is has been has been expanded over the past few years, which is good. But and that indigenous peoples are are, are not to take only taking part in this meeting, but in the universal periodic review and and others, other forms. This is why I would like to reiterate our gratitude. But we'd like to know. 
how can we ensure the implementation of the mandate? Of course, it's up to the countries to do this, but the fund could probably do something. Today, for example, the WIPO, World International Property Organization, is conducting negotiations on another binding instrument aimed at protecting our traditional ancestral knowledge, our traditional cultural expressions, our genetic resources, and our for folklore. Unfortunately, and fortunately, unfortunately, this agency uh, has also has a voluntary contribution fund to support uh, the indigenous caucus that is participating in this w w work. Unfortunately, this fund very uh, rarely has money, so, so it's a kind of a of a trap. Even if there's no money, but the fund exists, it, this is like an obstacle to the participation uh, of um, of indigenous people. And indigenous peoples can only participate three or four times a year when their organizations can afford it. And so I would ask the representative of the Voluntary Fund how we can expand your mandate to these meetings that I just mentioned. And furthermore, I want to just remind you of something pertaining to what the uh, chair of the expert mechanism was saying to us and, and the parliament the indigenous parliamentarian mentioned uh, but i'm going to tell you the story this this guy was the first indigenous leader who 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 opened the who was participated in the league of nations a hundred years ago league of nations was a predecessor of the united nations and i just well, he, he wanted to speak to the countries and tell them that indigenous peoples wanted to live under their own uh, laws and in our, their own territory and based on our own uh, beliefs. Brother Descaje was not allowed to enter the assembly at the time, was never heard. And today he's inspired the work of all of us who have followed him. But I want to uh, connect him to a, a current uh, event. Descaje uh, died in, in exile. He could never return to his country. I just mentioned that one of the members of the expert mechanism is currently in exile, suffering exile. Sister Alfred Cunningham of the Latin American Caribbean region. And we have to close ranks as far as denouncing the situation. Indigenous brothers... And sisters cannot be uh, persecuted uh, and mistreated in this way. This is a message for the indigenous peoples, for your for your countries. If this can be done with an expert of the United Nations that has all kinds of uh, guarantees and the system doesn't do anything, that it could happen to any of you. So what I want to ask to the UN, uh, ask the UN system is a clear statement of condemnation of this, of the exile of this expert. So this does not happen again in the future. And also recall that the importance at this time, uh, uh, the, uh, remembering uh, Brother Descaje, who ended in exile, and and we hope that uh, his family and his descendants can come back to his country, which is Nicaragua. Thank you very much. Thank you to distinguished member of the Permanent Forum, Rodrigo Payalep. I give the floor to 
Shoshone Bait Tribes. Tribes. Thank you, Chair and Special Rapporteur. My name is Addie Parker, um, Tribal Council Member of the Shoshone Paiute Tribes of the Duck Valley Indian Reservation. Our tribe's human and territorial health has not only been impacted by the hydrocarbon plumes, the territories of our tribes, especially where they overlap with the state of Nevada, have been long subject to extensive mining activities for over 150 years. Our people have been suffering the negative environmental and health effects without receiving any benefit. Currently, we are subject to what you call a new green gold rush with the fast tracking of applications for lithium which is highly sought after for electric car batteries. As a result, this is sometimes misrepresented as a green economy. We agree that this really is green colonialism and some as some fellow tribes have pointed out. It leads to further disposition and pollution of our lands. There are 70 lithium mining applications in Nevada alone. Lithium mining is an environmental hazard from the extraction phase to when the batteries have to be disposed of. This issue clearly is deeply connected to our human territory and planetary health and climate change. We need a rights-based approach that recognizes our standing as indigenous people and decision makers and stewards of the land. The Nevada mining legislation is archaic, which allows for staking and entirely disregards our rights as indigenous people. It does not require our free prior and informed consent and does not foresee any remuneration for indigenous peoples as owners of their resources. Nevada recently passed a bill to collect more revenue from mining. We opposed it because it entirely excludes our tribes and yet they passed it. Since the Treaty of Ruby Valley was signed in 1863, there has been no mechanism put in place to share benefits from mining, which currently is a $9.25 billion industry annually in the state of Nevada alone. This is a perverse subsidy and the benefits multinational mining corporations, most from Canada, who do not have to remunerate the indigenous owners of the resources. It violates our indigenous rights, including under the UN Declaration, the rights of indigenous peoples and international obligation for benefit sharing and indigenous prior informed consent. President Biden's executive order to consult our tribes on these issues also continues to be violated. We cannot even get the money to build a new school in our acute emergency situation. Our students are forced to go to a school on top of a carcinogenic hydrocarbon plume while the state is receiving record mining revenues and our people and children pay the price with their health. As UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres remarked at the opening of this forum, this constitutes the illegal exploitation of our resource-rich territories while we remain the poorest people in our own land. We align our urgent call for action with the findings on violation of our indigenous rights and the decision by the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination in its early warning and urgent action procedures in 2006 on the Western Shoshone. Due to the lack of effective national remedies, we are appealing to this forum and you as a UN Special Rapporteur on the rights of indigenous people for oversight and we hereby want to officially invite you to our community. Muchas gracias a su Thank you very much. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. You are just listening to excerpts from this year's United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session that's happening from April 17th to April 28th at in, in what we know as New York. And this year's theme is on Indigenous Peoples, Human Health, Planetary and Territorial Health and Climate Change, a rights-based approach. And you, when listening to all the different Indigenous voices across Mother Earth, articulating their grievances and, and and asking for the UN to engage in a global intervention to save the planet, to save Mother Earth, and to save 
indigenous peoples and for indigenous peoples and their respective First Nations to have culturally sustainable futures, you can trace that back to, as we were talking about before, the papal bulls and and uh, two of our thank you items, if you will, for helping us um, support American Indian Airways, helping us support KPFK and all the volunteer programmers is you can pick up the book Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery for $100. That's an, uh, one way to say thank you for supporting the station. Or you can pick up the DVD, The Doctrine of Discovery, Unmasking the Domination Code. That is also a $100 uh, thank you item. Or you can pick up Dr. Gerald Horn's book, The Counter-Revolution of 1836, Texas Slavery and Jim Crow and the Roots of U.S. Fascism. That is a $100 thank you item. Each premium item is a way to say thank you for $100 and to help financially support us uh, here at KPFK FM 90.7. You can Call 818-985-5735 to pick up any of the items for $100, or you can call 818-985-KPFK, or you can visit the kpfk.org website, click on the uh, pledge widget and select from a premium item uh, on the website for that dollar amount. Marcus. Larry, wow. These books, DVD, people. Listeners like the AIA or they like KPFK, get these books. This is the wrap you as a, a present to you and your donations, $100, DVD, $100 for the book, for the books. But this roots of U.S. fascism, that should be studied by everyone, the people on the left, the progressive, the social justice. I talked to a couple of people with social justice issues. What are you talking about? South Africa, what are you talking about? Texas. What are you talking about the South? What are you talking about? And the book by Gerald Horn, Dr. Gerald Horn, talks about that. He makes it very clear. Indigenous people, how does it relate to the assault of our nations? How does it relate to that? We want to bring this information as a thank you gift for all our relatives out there that support us and that also like KPFK and the other programs. There are wonderful programs here in KPFK, Larry. I want to say to everybody, well, maybe you don't got 100 bucks. You can sustain us 10 bucks a month. You can sustain us 20 bucks a month. You could go to the website, maybe some other items, T-shirts or cups and whatnot. Everybody can contribute, and everybody has the ability to support the station. Now, there's no secret. This is in trouble. There's no secret. They need money. There's no secret, you know, that. Yeah, we want to go to a place where it takes money to go someplace. And this capitalist system is ours. You know, they're not going to give all the capitalists and not give all the money to KPFK because of the Civica, because they know we talk against them. They know we talk, you know, we don't like them. They know we talk about the mechanism of imperialism. They know we talk about the mechanics of policy procedures of the state. They know we talk about how culturally... They've been denied our indigenous culture. They've been denied our culture, African culture. They've been denied all the different cultures. They want to homogenize us. They want to put us in a little category. Well, that's cute. Let's get the little Indian in the cupboard. And we're saying no. Our listeners are bringing these programs to say that Native people, indigenous people, are really struggling and fighting 
and use all the means necessary and praying prayer is our weapon right prayer is something that we always do and then how we organize that in a way in which raises spirits and ways and raise your and motivate you we want to motivate you our listeners native non-native indian people kawia jewish tongwa hashaman you know kumiai and you know all those different people that listen to us in the internet and then we want to just say hey we want you to support us. We don't ask you that too many times. Marcus, we want to remind listeners that they can call 818-985-5735 or call 818-985-KPFK or visit the kpfk.org website. Click on the pledge widget or call the number. Get Stephen Newcomb's book, Pagans in the Promised Land, Decoding the Doctrine of Christian Discovery for $100 or pick up the DVD, The Doctrine of Discovery, Unmasking the Domination Code for $100 or pick up Dr. Gerald Horn's book, The Counter-Revolution of 1836, Texas Slavery and Jim Crow, and the Roots of U.S. Fascism, here on American Indian Airwaves. The moment of silence is over. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves. A special thank you to all the indigenous peoples testifying at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, the 22nd session happening from April 17th to April 28th of 2023. That concludes our show for today. A special thank you to our musical guests, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studios of Burnt Swamp Studios in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. Wearing their souls on the thread. The moment of silence is over. And for the innocent, you can't justify why your freedom manifests on their graves. And the blood never comes clean from their guilty minds. Nor the hands that hold the chains In a rhythm of resistance We still fight for our lives In this war that never ended We've outdrawn your lives Let our actions speak When they ignore our Silence is over.